Soundprints Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Soundprints is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushevel. I'm your host for this week's magazine. This is Soundprints for the week of March 22, 2015. Spring has finally come to the bluegrass. Chirping birds, daytime temps reaching into the high 60s and low 70s, and cool nights, a great time of year. 31 people came out to the GLCB Friday this past week. Some shared iPhone and iPad tips and tricks, thanks to Bill Dethridge and Natalie Byers for helping out with that. Others worked on handwriting skills with Patty Cox. Deanna Scoggins led a discussion with Braille readers about the new UEB code coming to magazines and books near you this next January. Patty Cox talked about laundry tips during the discussion time. She shared information about some new products and emphasized ways to keep colors bright and whites white. Patty also served up some delicious chicken parmesan and garlic toast for dinner. Thanks to Michelle Haycraft, Gail Lamberson, and Chris Trevino for all their help with serving and cleanup. After dinner, most people played bingo, but we did have a table of spades and one of rook players. The next day, Saturday, 19 people came to the GLCB dine-out at Buckhead's on Bardstown Road. We arrived at the restaurant early in the second half of the Kentucky-Cincinnati basketball game, and we joined other Wildcat fans as Kentucky won game number 36. Libby Cook, GLCB secretary, and her husband Joe were there, and as we were leaving, Libby was heard to remark that where there's food... There's the cooks. All in all, nearly 40 different people attended these two chapter events this weekend. The Bluegrass Council of the Blind has changed its technology demo and training schedule. This activity will no longer take place on the last Tuesday of the month. Instead, tech demos and trainings are now offered each Friday morning at the BCB office in Lexington. Call ahead to set an appointment. The phone number is 859-259-1834. In January, I was invited to join the Board of Directors of the United Crescent Hill Ministries. I'm pleased to report that I was elected to the board at its February meeting, and I'll be attending my first meeting this coming Saturday, March 28. I'm looking forward to learning more about the many programs and services that take place at UCHM each week. The Louisville Downtown Lions Club is one of our Soundprint sponsors, and the club also generously supports many programs throughout the community. Louisville Downtown appoints three of the trustees to the Kentucky Lions Eye Foundation, KLEF, and Adam Rushevel has been asked to serve as a KLEF trustee from the club. Congratulations, Adam. That's a great honor. Many people have been asking about the 2015 KSB Alumni Reunion. Are we having a reunion? When's it going to be? As you have probably heard, it will be most difficult to hold a reunion on campus because the school will not permit attendees to stay in the dorm, 
and use of the food center kitchen is very restricted. The 2015 reunion will be a two-day event on Friday, June 5th and Saturday, June 6th. It will be at the Ramada Inn North on Zorna Avenue in Louisville. We'll be bringing you more details as soon as they are available, but for now, we can assure you that there will be lots of food, fun, and friends at this year's reunion. How many times have we heard complaints about taxi drivers who don't serve passengers with guide dogs? This is a problem that has been going on for many years. On page 2, Eric Bridges, the Director of External Relations and Policy in the ACB Arlington office, tells us about a lawsuit filed by him and ACB this past Monday in Washington, D.C. Superior Court against four D.C. taxi companies that were caught on film denying rides to blind people with guide dogs. Kelly Gask is the newest staff member in the ACB Arlington office. Meet Kelly on page 3. A few weeks ago, Harold Smith, the District Governor of Lyons Multiple District 43N here in Kentucky, visited the Louisville Downtown Club. As part of his presentation, he reviewed the history of the Lyons and talked about how it all began. Adam Rushevel provides us with a sound clip from this presentation on page 4. Mark Feech, President of the Louisville Downtown Club, is the first voice you hear introducing District Governor Smith. And on page 5 is the Sound Prince calendar. Page 2. Our guest now is Eric Bridges, who is the Director of External Relations and Policy with the American Council of the Blind in our Arlington office. And a couple of years ago, we carried a feature here on Sound Prince. There was a lot of news coverage. Um, I think, Eric, you were even a guest with us then, talking about a uh, some issues related to cab service in Washington as they uh, relate to blind people and guide dogs. So tell us, refresh our memories about that, uh, about that incident, and then tell us what has happened this last week. There's been a great news story about that particular issue just this week. Well, hi, Carla. It's good to be back with you. And, yeah, you are correct. It was uh, actually two years ago now when uh, Channel 9, the CBS affiliate in Washington, reached out to ACB to do some uh, uh, taxi investigation um a project dealing with undercover taxi investigation to to look at the possibility um, of cab drivers discriminating against people who are blind that, that happen to use guide dogs. So it was a part of a larger undercover investigation that they were doing that also dealt with uh, young African Americans uh, not being picked up by drivers as well as individuals in wheelchairs. So uh, myself and uh, uh, Melanie Brunson went and spent, uh, between the two of us, a grand total of four hours out in the in the rain. Uh, yeah, I thought I remembered it was raining and, the day you did it. Yeah, in downtown Washington, 
attempting to hail cabs, you know, from a curb. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had a, a, a cameraman stationed across the street from us and a uh, the actual producer standing behind us a few feet to alert us when cabs would be coming near so that we could make sure that we were hailing, mm-hmm. having our arm out hailing. Mm-hmm. And then about 100 feet down the street on our side was the reporter, Russ Potasek. Mm-hmm. And uh, four out of eight times that cabs went by me, they did not pick me up, but rather they stopped for Mr. Potasek. And mm-hmm. um, so it, it was very revealing. It was uh, frustrating and a bit demoralizing, and at the end of the day, it was angering. But really, especially the, since the, you were wet too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you know, this is one of the most difficult um, areas of discrimination to be able to prove because we can't see the taxi physically passing by us. Right. Um, a taxi sounds like any other vehicle. And so in order to be able to show discrimination happening, we need to have it on, you know, on, on video. Sure. And that's what, that's what took place. Okay. And there was a lot of coverage about that story at the time. But now, two years later, there's another chapter to that story, a much bigger chapter. And it's getting a lot of attention in Washington this week. So sure. tell us what happened on Monday. Well, actually, um, there was a step that that happened in between that I think is important for people to to know because um, what happened on Monday was really the last straw. But there was a step that was taken in between where um, I filed complaints with the D.C. Office of Human Rights uh, against the four different cab companies that, that did not stop to pick me up. Mm-hmm. And I went through a process where uh, where mediations took place with those companies. I wanted to, um, you know, as as best I could, attempt to work with the companies mm-hmm. um, and keep it out of uh, out of a, a, a formal legal uh, situation. Sure. And uh, unfortunately, uh, those those. Uh, discussions were unsuccessful and so it wound up that on Monday um, I along with the American Council of the Blind filed a lawsuit against all four of those companies and that I think is that process is important that that step in between is important because you gave the companies a chance to say, oh, well, let's see how we can correct this. And obviously none of them did. So you filed the suit, a press release was issued, and tell us what's happened this week. Sure. So a press release was um, was issued as well as a media advisory because Monday morning uh, there was a press conference at the offices of the Washington Lawyers Committee. Um, they are uh, a group that is uh, assisting us um, in legal representation. Uh, and um, along with Pillsbury Winthrop Shaw Pittman, which is a, a law firm that is providing 
pro bono legal services to myself as well as ACB mm-hmm. um, in this process. So we've literally filed the complaint Monday in D.C. Superior Court and then had the press conference, and we're uh, fortunate to have three of the four local news stations along with the uh, number one rated radio station in the in the market mm-hmm. and uh, got lots of good coverage Monday and then Tuesday uh, an article appeared in the Washington Post. So there's been a lot of very good coverage of this issue. Um, I think it's something that people can readily identify with. Um, I think that there are a lot of frustrations with the overall level of customer service that that the regulated uh, taxi industry has, um, given by virtue of you know the prominence of uh, Uber and Lyft and other rideshare uh, companies that have begun to eat into to the taxi marketplace. Right, and that's not just for blind people. No, that's people in general. Um, because it's, it's amazing to me how the new ride-sharing companies are, are, so, are being so successful, even among a public that you think would not be especially dependent upon or choosing to be dependent upon uh, a form of public transportation, and yet they're busy all the time. So it's obviously the the cab the cab companies are not in general doing the job. I mean, there's some who are. There's some good drivers out there, and so on. But um, I know on our Facebook page, when some of the, on the ACB Facebook page, when this was posted, there's been some comments there. You know, come and do it in our city. You know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, Boy, I wish you would file here or file there. That is not especially um, possible because, as as you said, um, the the discriminatory behavior needs to be documented, and we as a blind as blind people can't always do that. But um, this is this is really really exciting, and I think. Eric, even even since it is, you know, in in your case, it's a local issue. Um, but I think it will set an example, and so perhaps um, as this moves along, you know, perhaps those of us out here with with companies that do similar things, um, you know, we might we, this may help us to be able to point to that and say, look, this is what's happened in. Um, in in Washington, and you know we we just aren't we just don't want to put up with this, and so you might want to work with us. I I hope so, Carla. You know it, it's um this is something that that persists around the country, and um, you know I, I I am well aware of other large cities where this is still happening, and. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope that this story gets out there. I hope that this empowers folks, whether they're in our, you know, our state affiliate or a local chapter with an ACB, or really just individuals who may not be necessarily affiliated um, that, that use guide dogs. Because, you know, in, t- in 2015, this this practice ought not be allowed to happen. 
and there you know for a quote unquote regulated industry there's an awful lot of uh <laughs> you know uh non adherence to to the law be it the Americans with Disabilities Act or other state laws um much like the the DC human human rights act um you know it's um it's appalling and you know there i think that there are various reasons for these um laws being broken but at the end of the day it's it's unacceptable and it's wrong and uh you know it 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 just highlights um you know the need for good advocacy and um you know I'm, again i'm i'm very thankful for the the legal assistance that we're receiving um which is a uh, is a challenge for many individuals um because you know uh, uh moving forward with a complaint can be pretty costly and through the the legal uh process can be even more costly and um I'm very appreciative to our our colleagues at the lawyers committee and at Pillsbury for for their willingness to to take this case on well that that certainly is a that that's a wonderful um it's a wonderful thing that they are doing to assist in this case it's also very very important and i think this is setting an example that it's very important that people when there are issues that people be willing to speak up and be willing to um first of all to try to work something out you you just don't start out at the level well we know you broke this particular regulation or this law and so I'm going to go to court that that's not where you begin and and your example of going to the companies and trying to work things out with them is always an important first step um and and I think we we oftentimes can resolve issues by you know, but by, by working with people by bringing things to their attention but when it just isn't possible um then at some point we have to be willing to speak up and um yeah. they just passed the wrong person by on that rainy day is what they did <laughs> yeah you know the other the other thing that all of this takes is a lot of patience yes and um at times it can be very frustrating i would right. i'll admit that just on a personal level sure um that you don't get the justice uh as swiftly as you feel it should it should come to you <laughs> that's a yeah that's a great um, point here it's been know, two years you know yeah it's it's two years and we're just starting we've just embarked on this new uh right. you know process and this and isn't going to be heard in court next monday morning correct and so you know i don't know how long this will take um and you know at the end of the day if if it winds up going to to trial there's all sorts of interesting things that can happen during a trial so it's you know th- there's a lot of um you know unknowns that that do exist i mean i feel obviously i wouldn't have filed um the complaint if if i didn't feel like we had a strong case and uh and our lawyers more importantly didn't feel like i had a strong case right but you know it's it's patience it's um you know it takes uh a lot of uh having a real long memory and uh <laughs> and also um remaining level headed i mean 
all of this is really, really, really frustrating, and it's angering, and, and it's, um, like I said, justice can't come swiftly enough, but at the end of the day, you have to look at the at the longer view of what hopefully this could do for the broader for everybody industry, right? uh, hopefully across the country. I mean, I didn't, you know, I'm not in in this for notoriety. I'm not in it for money. I'm I'm in it for change. That's yes. you know, that's what I'm yes. that's what I'm attempting to do with this. Right, and and also, I think in the in looking at the length of time that something can take, we also have to remember that no matter how right we think we are, that there is an element of unpredictability when it comes to getting to a jury. You don't you don't know how they're going to see it. You may think you have an absolute open and shut case, and it can go another way, another direction. So you know it's it's just like talking to the media. People think oftentimes that, well, this has happened and I'm going to go to the newspaper. Well, you can't always guarantee what they're going to write either. And just because you think you've got an open and shut, obvious situation, um, you know, one line can, in written by a reporter who really doesn't understand an issue, can just mess up what you're trying to do. So, you know, you have to kind of step back and take a take a look at things and realize that it does take a long time and patience and I, I, I think it's a it's a real good description of the feelings that happen when you talk about being angry because it is infuriating to have um, to have some kind of of, of silly thing happen that shouldn't be happening in 2015 and and there you sit and you can't do anything about it and and so you know I think we've all been in those situations and um, I, one, one thing that I, I think is is really good about this is it does point out that ACB ACB staff you obviously, and um, and others, and, and then there's examples in um, affiliates and chapters and so on that we are really um, interested and concerned with those issues that touch everybody. Um, if you can, if you can get a needing to get a ride, not being denied a ride, um, is is something basic to everyone. So. Um, that's just another example of the kinds of of, of people touching types of things that happen that that we support and and um, so I'm just I, I've, I've just been absolutely thrilled with watching all of this coverage that you've that you've generated this week it's it's tremendous and and no matter what happens on down the road you have brought this issue to the forefront and People certainly have been. I, I I sit here and I wonder what the reaction of those cab companies is to all of this media, because you know that they have to have some of those pictures that have been resurrected from two years ago with their cab going past you in the rain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've got you know they've got access to the raw footage just like just like we do. Sure. They they're they're aware of of you know the incidences that. That took place, and, um, you know. It's 
and win or lose, they've still got all this bad publicity. Yeah, which, you know, is, um, which frankly, they is is not, you know, sort of compounds the, the challenges um, for them because of what has happened over the last, in particular, over the last 12 to 18 months with Uber and Lyft um, mm-hmm. coming into the, to the D.C. area, actually. Mm-hmm. I guess mm-hmm. it's about two years now, but mm-hmm. um, it's you know it's it's not good for them and and um, from a from a publicity standpoint, um, and I think you know it it resonates with people who aren't blind um, because they they see my dog. Um, oh yeah, my dog is a is a well trained, good looking black Labrador, <laughs> and and me you know all I'm trying to do is my job. Mm-hmm. And uh, part of my job means that I have to go from here to there, um, and I can't always take the metro because the metro isn't always timely. Right. I have to be um, at appointments in a tight, tight, you know, time frame. Mm-hmm. Um, I rely on taxis and uh, having to stand and wait or rely upon others to to help me flag one down or to chase one down. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's it you know. I'll just I'll also say this though. In all fairness, um, this isn't every taxi driver. Um, oh no, it is not. Yeah, there are many very good and kind taxi drivers. Mm-hmm. It's, but it's um, it is a pattern, and it's not an accident. I don't believe. Well, yeah. four out of eight incidents is not what you would call just an accident. Right. So, it's you know it's. It's troubling because um, there's a taxi service in Arlington, uh, where I live, just outside of D.C., that um, I like very much. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, and I use it for uh, paratransit, but also for, you know, for business. Uh, ACB has a corporate account with them, and I also use them for just going out with my wife. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, not all taxi drivers are bad. I don't no. want that to to come across as yeah. being my message. That's um, oh, that's very true. There's not there's not adequate training and there's not adequate accountability. Yes. And that you know yeah. those are the two big components. Well, Eric, we certainly wish you a lot of uh, success with this um, with this uh, court case, and as it moves forward, we I'm sure that we'll hear updates on on what's happening and and we um uh hope for a a positive outcome i think it will help everyone it'll certainly um show by example what companies need to do and and uh let's um let's hope that the court upholds the um you know the the provisions that are there to protect us against that type of discrimination Well, thank you so much for having me on, Carla. It's been great to talk about this issue. The Kentucky Council of the Blind and its chapters provide information, advocacy, activities, and telephone support for people who are blind or visually impaired. Join our email list, visit our website, and of course, listen to Soundprints each and every week. To learn more, call us at 502-895-4598. Drop us an email at kcb at igloo.com or visit our website at kentucky-acb.org. Page 3. 
Kelly Gask is a new administrative assistant in our Arlington, Virginia national office. And she is with me now on SoundPrints, and we're going to meet her. You'll be speaking with Kelly, I'm sure, several times when you call into the office and thought you all might like to know a little bit about Kelly and, and meet her here. So welcome, Kelly. Yeah, thank you. Kelly, I just met you myself this morning. You just started working for ACB this week, and um, you and I had discussed you becoming an admin on our Facebook page, mm -hmm. and that's going to be really exciting. But tell us a little bit about yourself, about your background, and, and how you happen to come to ACB. Well, I actually um, have been working as a graphic designer the last couple of years, um, I grew up in Alexandria, and um, I went to school in um, Richmond, Virginia at VCU, and I got a degree in graphic design from there um, and ended up working at a couple different places in the area, like uh, National Geographic Channel and uh, Greenfield Bowser, some like, smaller nonprofit uh, graphic design studios. Mm -hmm. um, but I have um, kind of been looking to expand my horizons and um, my mom had um, a situation where she actually went blind for a few years. Uh, she's diabetic. Um, and they were able to um, give her surgery and fix her eyes and everything like that. But, mm -hmm. you know, it's been a, an issue that I've been really interested in for a long time. So uh, when I found the job listing, I applied, and everyone here was so awesome. And I've been having – I actually started last week, but I, I've been having a great, like, week – I guess two weeks here so far. <laughs> oh yes, yeah. This week that was the um, the um, announcement of the taxi s issue with Eric. Mm -hmm. We've we've got an interview with him. Actually, he was on page two this week, mm -hmm. and so time really flies. That that that's that's correct. Two weeks. That yeah, it was it, it was definitely exciting to come here uh, and start off the week. <laughs> I actually went and saw the press conference and. Uh, it was just really cool to see. I was hoping that nobody was filming me because I had such a big smile on my face and it was such a serious issue, but I was just thought it was so cool, so interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, do you have hobbies? Oh, yes, I have plenty of hobbies. I'm, uh, I I'm, I'm moving right now, and I've noticed that basically everything I own is, is art supplies. <laughs> oh, <all right. laughs> um, so I, I do, I, I've done metalworking with jewelry making and, um, woodworking, all sorts of things. I love doing all, all types of art. Um, but I also love to bake. Um, I'm, I'm a pie aficionado, so <laughs> I like making pies a lot. Oh, okay. Um, what's your what's your favorite pie? Oh, God, that's a hard question. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you could give me your top five favorite pies. <laughs> well, let's see. I make a chocolate pudding pie that's really good. Mm. Uh, I, key lime pie. Um, and, oh, I, I think my favorite would have to be my dad's favorite, which is a lemon meringue pie, because my family uh, is Southern, <laughs> so uh -huh. it's supporting my Southern heritage. Oh, that's good. That's lemon good. meringue, yeah. <laughs> now, so you're not originally from the Virginia area? No, I actually grew up in Alexandria, um, moved to Richmond for a couple of years, and then moved right back, mm -hmm. and uh, moving to Springfield this weekend, but that's not too much of a difference, so. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so then you basically lived in that area most of your life then. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's a nice area. There's a lot of really interesting people here, and it's, it's really great to be so close to the capital. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Alexandria is a nice, a nice area, and mm -hmm. um, 
we've visited there a couple of times and and it's it's really nice it's kind of like when you live in that area it's like living uh, a tourist life all the time i mean yeah. I, you know people go there to see what you can see every day mm-hmm. just, just why well, i'm i'm fortunate um where where i'm living where i'm moving from right now is actually right uh by the uh, george washington parkway mm-hmm. um and uh sometimes so lovely out there. Uh, there's so many trees along the parkway and everything. So I will miss living by the parkway, but not the traffic part. Just the, no. Just the, the scenery. <laughs> the traffic is just unbelievable. I, yeah. I, I figure that that's the same everywhere I go, though. <laughs> I, I guess, but I think that's a little more... Um, I think that traffic's a little bit worse than it is in a lot of places. Yeah, <laughs> I, was, I think every every man. morning driving here, getting stuck on the CW Parkway, it's like a parking lot the whole way. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you like cooking, baking specifically. Mm-hmm. Oh, I do like cooking too, but mm-hmm. I, I have a boyfriend who's very, very good at cooking, so I usually leave that to him mm-hmm. <laughs> whenever I can, but well, if, on my own, I do it for myself. Yeah, if he's got that talent, just take advantage of it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and so let's go back and talk about the craftsome because crafts are things that a lot of our listeners really do like. So tell us mm-hmm. more about some of your craft, the the things that you like to do. Well, I've done a whole wide range of things. I actually, uh, for a short period of time, um, taught robotics uh, and multimedia for first and second graders. Um, Oh which my was goodness. really fun. Yeah. Uh, because it, 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 you know, we would use uh, Legos. Uh, they're mm-hmm. called like Mindstorm Legos. Right. Um, and they could build robots with them. And mm-hmm. um, that has gotten me sort of interested in the 3D printing um, area. I haven't built my own, but my boyfriend did, and I have access to it. Um, so I, I know how to design for 3D printers, um, mm-hmm. which is very interesting. And there's all these free programs online that you can use. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also, I mean, my, my parents both were artists. My dad was a photographer and my mom, she's, she's an illustrator. So, um, I, I really, um, enjoy just kind of drawing a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's really good, um, for like anxiety. If I'm having a bad day, like I always draw to make myself feel better, but, um, I have, let's see, I do beading, um, like, uh, but I think my favorite uh, that I haven't gotten to do because I haven't had a studio to work in for a while is just metalworking. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something really cool about being able to, like, bend the elements. So <laughs> I really love doing that, but I miss it. I haven't done it since school. And what did you, what did you make from metal? What kinds well, of things? I, I took, like, a couple courses in college, mm-hmm. and um, it was a jewelry-making metalworking class, but oh. I didn't actually make any like, you know, any brooches or anything like that. It was, um, I ended up making a lot of boxes, um, almost like little jewelry boxes, but mm-hmm. I made a, a ring holder. Um, it's kind of hard to describe, but it's a little owl. I have a fascination with owls, and it's very <laughs> tiny. It's about two inches by maybe two inches, and uh, just a little uh, container that opens up, but it's in the shape of an owl, and I soldered it and hammered it all myself. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There, it's just there's just something about creating whatever it is you create. Mm-hmm. It's just very cool if you if you make something yourself. And, and beading, I've always been kind of interested in beading, and mm-hmm. I've never really had the time 
to do a lot of it. Um, years and years ago, I made a, um, uh, I guess it was kind of a, it turned out to be too long for a bracelet and too short for a necklace. So it was relatively useless except to look at. Actually, it would make kind of a neat little purse handle. But um, it was, it was um, kind of a lacy looking bead thing. It took me forever to make mm -hmm. it. But it was really fun, even though it was also sometimes exasperating. Yeah. You know, because no, it took I, so much time, but mm -hmm. it was it was fun to do. Well, I used to, when I when I was teaching, too, like during breaks, I, I would love making like friendship bracelets for the kids. Um, mm -hmm. And those things are kind of similar. I mean, you're basically tying a series of knots. Mm -hmm. um, so sometimes if you tie it the wrong way or, or like, you know, just doing the same motion can get a bit re repetitive, but... For for some reason, I don't know what it is. I just find that very relaxing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's yeah. a nice source for me of like zen. <laughs> do you have um, in in the beading area? Do you have particular kinds of beads that you like to work with, or particular patterns that you or types of patterns that you like? Um. Well, I just kind of play around. I was lucky enough to inherit quite the bead collection from my dad because he was actually. Um, very much into beading um, when I was younger. Mm. Um, also, the source for my interest in origami too. I, ha I have I have pretty cool parents. Um, oh my goodness! I <laughs> um, guess so. <laughs> yeah, my but my 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 dad he, he left me with all these beads and they're they're really beautiful. Some of them are wooden, some of them are glass, and um, I'm doing that whole process of moving, like I was saying right now. And I can't, I can't give any of them away. I was like, I was absolutely like, I not. You know, I, I, there's just so many of them. Though, oh so. yeah, but you never know when you're. Yeah, you just exactly. can't never tell when you're going to need one. You know, emergency craft project. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is fascinating. That's that's really neat. Um, do you have? Particular? Have you? I know it's it's just been a couple of weeks, but are there? areas within ACB, just what you've seen so far, that you find especially interesting, you know, maybe different kinds of topics or, or whatever, is it too soon to know yet? Well, I, I mean, honestly, the most interesting thing I found about the, the um, organization is the people that um, work with the organization. Mm -hmm. I've gotten a lot of calls from people just calling me up to say hi, and um, the uh, just how nice and open everyone is is just really refreshing for me. I'm, I'm, you know, coming from the design world where I, I don't know if everybody's stuck up there or what, <laughs> but it's, it, you know, y'all have been like super sweet and um, very welcoming, which mm -hmm. has been great. Mm -hmm. um, and I think also um, uh, a couple of people have been helping me familiarize myself with some of like the issues and. Um, oh, yeah. I find it quite fascinating, and also um, it, it, it's a great field to be working in. I'm really excited to, to be helping out here. Well, we are sure pleased to have you, and it's going to be a lot of fun. I know I'm looking forward to having you help us out on our Facebook page. Yeah, me that too. Was, that was great, and um, to find out that you like to do that kind of thing. You know, I, th I think people either really like social media or they don't like it, and and if you and if you don't like it, um, it's really like drudgery to have to yeah. go up there and post. <laughs> but if you like it, then you know it's not 
it, it's a fun thing to see. It's, I think it, one of the most exciting things is you post a message up there and, and, and then to watch the count go up as people mm-hmm. look at it and share it. Well, mm-hmm. Facebook's a great, a great way to uh, engage people um, in, in issues that you find important and, and also about like helping them learn more about the organization and oh, yeah. interested in the organization. Yes, too. absolutely. Well, we sure appreciate you being with us on Soundprints, and welcome to ACB. Okay, thank you so much. Page four. Tonight we have District Governor Harold Smith joining us from Mount Washington. How many clubs do you look over? I now have 35. Uh, can you give us a little recap of yes. how our district's doing? Thank you, Mr. President. Well, first thing, I'm very glad to be here. Uh, as previously said, I have been to, I have 35 clubs in our district right now. I've managed to travel and make 28 of the meetings so far. And I wanted to be getting down here, but because so many clubs are so spread out, they're in 14 counties, and I try to do my furthest ones first and then work my way in closer to home. But again, I'm very glad to be down here tonight. You're becoming a part of a distinguished service history that dates back to 1917 when Lions International began as the dream of the Chicago businessman, Melvin Jones. He believed that local business clubs should expand their horizons from purely professional concerns to the betterment of their community and the world at large. Jones's own group, the Business Circle of Chicago, agreed. After contacting similar groups around the country, an organizational meeting was held on June 17, 1917 in Chicago, Illinois. The new group took the name of the Association of Lions Clubs at our national convention was held in Dallas, Texas in October that year. 36 delegates representing 22 clubs from nine states were in attendance. Their constitutional bylaws and code of ethics was approved. Since that humble beginning, Lions Club members have volunteered their time and talents to meet their needs wherever they exist. Lions are especially dedicated to serving the blind and visually impaired, a commitment made after Helen Keller challenged our members to become her knights for the blind and the crusade against blindness during the 1925 convention in Cedar Point, Ohio. Many of the Lions Clubs began with projects ranging from fish fries to community birthday calendars to festivals throughout the state. We provide, we assist in such projects as collection and distribution of used eyeglasses. If you're joining an organization that has 1.4 million members, worldwide. We are located in 206 countries across the world. Your membership will help your club to reach more people in need in our community and throughout the world. Find books and more in accessible media with APH's free of charge Louis database. HTTP colon slash slash L-O-U-I-S dot A-P-H dot org. Locate accessible educational materials from nearly 200 different agencies 
APH products and textbooks can also be located using Louis. New extended searching now available with free Louis Plus. Visit soon. HTTP colon slash slash L-O-U-I-S dot A-P-H dot org. Many book materials help Braille users jot notes quickly. Pull APH's mini-book Braille binder out of your pocket and begin to write on the mini-book slate in just seconds. Materials are sold separately so that you can choose the combination that's right for you. Call the American Printing House for the Blind, toll-free, 800-223-1839, or visit www.aph.org. Page 5, The Sound Prince Calendar. Unless otherwise indicated, you can join conference calls listed on this calendar by dialing 605-475-6006 and entering code 294444. Bluegrass Council of the Blind activities are held at the BCB office located at 1093 South Broadway, Suite 1230 in Lexington. You need to register for BCB events and activities. Their phone number is 859-259-1834. The Greater Louisville Council of the Blind invites everyone to join us each Friday for education, technology, dinner, games, and crafts. The EdTech time is from 3.30 to 6, and you can get help with iPhone and iPad apps, grow your family tree, learn to sign your name or write print numbers, get tips for living with low vision, and much more. There's also a special program topic or speaker each week during the discussion time at 4.15. Dinner is at 6.15, and it's $5 a person. Games, crafts, and other fun activities are from 7 to 10. GLCB Fridays are at UCHM at 150 South State Street in Louisville. Call 502-895-4598 to sign up or check on weekly programs. March 27, Assistive Technology Training at the BCB office in the morning by appointment. March 27, GLCB Friday, Education and Technology from 3.30 to 6, dinner at 6.15, $5 a person. The games and crafts will be from 7 to 10, and the special activity this week will be a jam session. Bring your guitar, other musical instruments, even your kazoo, and bring your talent. Just sit back and enjoy, or participate in games and crafts. Call for more details. March 27 to 29 is the short-term weekend retreat for visually impaired Kentucky students in grades 6 to 12 at the Kentucky School for the Blind, 1867 Frankfort Avenue in Louisville. Call 502-897-1583 for additional information. On April 1, the KCBPR Membership Committee will meet at 8 p.m. on the conference line. On April 2, the ACB Special Interest Affiliate, ACB Lions, will hold its next monthly meeting for Lions around the country at 9 p.m. The call-in number is 712-432-3900. The code is 796096. On April 3, the Bluegrass Council of the Blind will hold its accessibility technology training by appointment and the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind will have its next GLCB Friday. 
On April 5, the TLCB committee meetings will be held 7 p.m. is the Advocacy Committee, Education and Technology at 8, and Activities at 9 on the conference line. April 9 is the Northern Kentucky Council of the Blind meeting. The conference call is held at 7 p.m., and the call-in number is 605-475-4700, enter code 155619. On April 10 is the Assistive Technology Training at the Bluegrass Council office by appointment, and the Louisville East Lions Club will hold its chili supper from 4.30 to 7 p.m. at St. Leonard's Church, 440 Zorn Avenue in Louisville. $5 a person for all-you-can-eat chili, hot dogs, dessert, and drink. Buy tickets from a Louisville East member, such as Bill or Debbie Dethridge, or buy tickets at the door. Also on April 10 is the next GLCB Friday. The schedule will change a bit this week so we can support the Louisville East Chili Supper. GLCB will be assisting with transportation from St. Leonard's to UCHM, so plan to go to the Chili Supper early and then come on over to an abbreviated GLCB Friday. Complete details will be available on next week's sound prints. On April 11, the GLCB board will meet at 11 a.m. on the conference line. On April 12, the Kentucky Council of the Blind Next Generation Chapter will hold a brunch from 1.30 to 3 p.m. at Maker's Mark Bourbon House and Lounge, 446 South 4th Street, Louisville, RSVP by noon on April 10. Call or text 502-750-1774 or email alsmoot, S-M-O-O-T, 87, at gmail.com. April 13 is the Bluegrass Council of the Blind Community Outing for April. From 5 to 6.30 p.m. at Ramsey's Diner, 4391 Old Harrodsburg Road in Lexington. RSVP is required by April 10. On April 14, the Bluegrass Council of the Board will meet at their office from 9 a.m. to 10.30 April 14 will also be the next meeting of the Support Alliance of the Visually Impaired, SAVVY. It will be from 1 to 3 p.m. at the Wing Avenue Baptist Church, 628 Wing Avenue in Owensboro. Call Rick Boggess at 270-684-4418 or Bill Roberts at 270-485-8170 for more information. On April 17, it's a Friday, so there will be accessibility technology training at the Bluegrass Council office by appointment on Friday morning. And on Friday evening, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind will hold its quarterly meeting along with a workshop, election, dinner, and bargain table. This replaces the GLCB Friday for that week. It's $5 per person, and it will be held at the United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville. We'll have more program details coming on another sound prints. On April 19, the KSB alumni will hold its last planning meeting before the letter for the alumni reunion is distributed. On April 20, the KCB board will hold its meeting 
Both meetings will be held at 8 p.m. on the conference line. On April 24, the Statewide Rehabilitation Council will have its next quarterly meeting at the Office for the Blind at the McDowell Center, 8412 Westport Road in Louisville. Call Jennifer Wright at 502-564-4754 for more details. On April 24, of course, will be the Accessibility Training at the Bluegrass Council Office on Friday morning and a GLCB Friday from 3.30 to 6 for Education and Technology, 6.15 for dinner, and 7 to 10 p.m. for crafts at the United Crescent Hill Ministries. On April 25, the American Printing House for the Blind will hold a Cave Hill Cemetery walking tour. The time is to be announced. You will visit grave sites of many people associated with the history of the Kentucky School for the Blind and the American Printing House for the Blind, and you'll hear their stories. Limited transportation from APH. The activity is free, but registration is required by April 18. Best for adults and older children. Call 502-899-2213 for details. On April 26, ACB Families, a special interest affiliate of the American Council of the Blind, will hold its next monthly meeting at 9 p.m. The conference number will be announced in a future sound prints. On April 27, Guide Dog Users of Kentucky have their membership meeting at 7 p.m. on the conference line. And on April 29, the Bluegrass Council of the Blind will have its VIP meeting from noon to 2 p.m. at the Bluegrass Council office. This will include lunch and a program with Sarah Faulkner on laughing and better health. RSVP is required, so be sure to give them a call and sign up. A couple of other important activities coming up in May. On May 2 will be the GLCB Derby Party, day-long fun and food with us at United Crescent Hill Ministries. On May 22, guide dog users of Kentucky invite you to have your guide dog's eyes examined from 3 to 5 p.m. and then stay for a GLCB Friday all at the United Crescent Hill Ministries. In June, the KSB Alumni Reunion will be held on June 5 and 6. This is the 70th reunion and the first one held away from the KSB campus. This year's reunion will be at the Ramada Inn on Zorn Avenue in Louisville. Plan to be there on Friday and Saturday for two days of fun, food, and friends. And coming up in July, the 3rd through the 11th is the 54th ACB Conference and Convention. Exhibits, workshops, tours, programs, friends, and fun, fun, fun. Held at the Sheridan Dallas Hotel. 400 North Olive Street in Dallas, Texas. Visit the ACB website at www.acb.org for more information. It's not too early to make your hotel reservations. Get all the details on the ACB website. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind or need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at igloo, dot com. 
Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Sound Prince. Have a great week, everybody.